Alrighty, welcome to another episode of Elevated Performance Podcast. Um, on today's episode, we got a very special guest, Dr. John Longoria, DPT. Um, and uh, John, yeah, you can go ahead and uh, tell us a little bit about yourself and uh, we'll get rolling. Uh, yeah, so, uh, you know, my name's John Longoria. Uh, I've been a PT for almost three years now. Um, I'm orthopedic residency trained. I am near the conclusion of my sports med and orthopedic manual therapy fellowship. So I have a couple of uh, mentoring hours left to do, but have completed that didactic. Um, and then I'll be sitting for my OCS in March. Um, I'm also adjunct faculty at the University of St. Augustine and I, I help teach MSK2. Uh, and I am the president of a new nonprofit organization called the Underserved Austin Movement. Uh, seeking to provide pro bono physical therapy services to underserved communities in Austin, uh, but also set up educational opportunities for the underserved youth so to expose them to the profession of physical therapy. Cool. Um, real quick, John, if you could start off kind of talking about your road towards PT, like, you know, when you first started getting interested into PT, getting into school, how school went for you, and now where you are in your career. Uh, yeah, so, you know, I've always been interested in exercise, you know, I, I, I grew up playing sports. Um, I played uh, baseball in college. And so, you know, I, I was always exercising, I was always competing, um, but never really found like, my, my interest. Um, and then so I got exposed to physical therapy when I was a senior in high school. I come from a family of nurses and PAs and they kind of talked to me about what PT was and I've been wrecked enough in my past to have had PT before. Um, so, you know, I, um, I, it always had been there. Um, and then really, I think one of the main drivers uh, was uh, my off season strength and conditioning coach, uh, Heidi Johnson. Um, she was on the USA Olympic track circuit. She was an Olympic bobsledder. She is a, a, a solid, solid, high-level performance strength and conditioning coach in, in Houston. And so, you know, she really exposed me to high-level strength and conditioning and also how high-level strength and conditioning, one, mended old injuries and recurring injuries, and, and two, you know, kept me resilient. Um, and so it was during my college years where I kind of started started piecing together the importance of strength training and exercise, uh, but then knew I wanted to take it a little step further and enter the medical field like, you know, my sisters and my mother. Um, and so, you know, it all kind of came together with this health, wellness, fitness, athletics, uh, uh, medical, you know, um, you know, jambalaya, if you will. And, and then so, I went ahead and, and pursued uh, PT. I, um, I was a late starter. I uh, worked in oil and gas sales for two years prior and then went ahead and took some night courses while I was working a full-time job, ended up applying, getting accepted, and then uh, really pursued PT. And so very thankful that I did it, man. And I love what I do. Um, and so I'm, I'm excited for what I do as well. So that's kind of how that all came about. 
Awesome. That's a cool story, man. And I love how you talk about um, kind of the strength and conditioning aspect of, um, of how you got into it. Cause I feel like with, uh, with physical therapy, there's a lot of, um, a lot of similarities there and kind of a transition kind of into that more strength and conditioning once you get them past that, that, that healing stage and all that. So that's pretty cool. Um, and then, yeah, quick follow up question. So for our listeners and to me, um, I really would uh, love to hear your opinion about um, residency. And um, if you like would recommend um, going right after you're done with school or, you know, starting in the, the job force and then kind of coming back to it. If you could speak a little bit on that, that'd be great. Yeah, man. So, you know, essentially residency and fellowship training is formal post-professional training specific to the area of expertise and the area of physical therapy that you want to pursue. So for me, I pursued an orthopedic residency because I knew I wanted to do orthopedics, no questions asked, right? That's what I knew. I knew what I wanted to do, so I pursued it. Um, so, and then the fellowship, now typically fellowships are, are more orthopedics and sports medicine based because it's, they are heavily based on manual therapy, which we can talk about a little bit there too, right? There's some, some things to be said about that. Um, but essentially what it is, is again, it's formal post-professional training after you get your clinical doctorate. Um, and so I went ahead and pursued the both of them. And I pursued them personally immediately out of school. Like I said, you know, I, I kind of started graduate school a little later. Um, so when I graduated, I was like, man, 27, 27, 28. Uh, and, and, you know, my, my wife was pregnant. And, you know, it was just time for me to get the ball rolling. And so I went and wanted, I, want, I went ahead and wanted to specialize so I could just, just get my career path set. Um, and become as knowledgeable as possible uh, in my area that I wanted to practice in, in orthopedics, and be the best clinician that I can be. Um, so that's kind of what, what I went ahead and, and did. Now, do you want to do it right out of school? Do you not want to? It, it really depends. I mean, for me, I was, I was heavily motivated, right? I was, I was thinking well beyond myself. Again, I had my wife um, who was headed to graduate school. She's a, she's a psychiatric nurse. She's getting a nursing PhD and her psychiatric nurse practitioner. So, and then she was pregnant. So I, was like, I knew I needed to start making moves quick. Um, so there wasn't that time to graduate, kind of figure out what it is that I liked and then just kind of move along. It was, uh, it was me knowing that I needed to hit the ground running and get my career set. And, and the thing about, you know, getting your OCS, getting your fellowship is that it does set you apart from your peers. So when you're applying for high level positions, you'll often see that a prerequisite for the, the job is an OCS or a fellowship. So it was also a career move for me. And it actually really paid off uh, with my position right now, what I currently work at. I wouldn't have my position without having a training and knowing that I was going to get that OCS and finish my fellowship here pretty soon. So starting it right out of school, it's busy. It's a full-time curriculum. Um, and, you know, I mean, I'm two and a half years, almost three years, and I'm just now wrapping up my fellowship. 
I have to sit for another board exam. So whoever is entertaining the idea of formal post-professional uh, training needs to really reflect and ask themselves, one, are you ready to study on weekends again? Are you ready to study when you're working a full-time job? And are you really ready to continue school? And you, you just, you gotta be in, right? You don't wanna be one foot in, one foot out. You, you're, you, should, you should do it if you're all in. And that's just my opinion, right? But it's a lot and it's a major commitment and you wanna make the most of it as well because it's a financial investment slash burden. So I would suggest that anybody entertaining post-professional training, like truly reflect on what they want to achieve and understand that it is a sacrifice, but you do make that sacrifice, you know, hoping that it's gonna pay off in the back end. And a lot of times it pays off in the back end for your career and your salary and helping pay off those student loans, but it definitely pays dividends on positive patient outcomes. Not to say that you can't have positive patient outcomes without it, but it expedites that process of clinical efficacy and expertise. Love it. Okay. So kind of basically what you're saying is um, kind of going through the residency and fellowship really helps kind of get you to the point where you're, you know, your diagnostic, you know, approaches, your prognostic approaches, your outcomes are just a lot more efficient. You know what's going on. You're not kind of like playing around because I'm on my, my last rotation right now in outpatient ortho. And there's times where I'm working with patients doing an eval. I'm like, I don't know what's really going on, but I'm just going to kind of treat them and like, you know, with the back patient, treat the preference and then just go from there. Um, but you're saying it kind of like makes things a lot more efficient and makes it a little easier to kind of like know what you're doing is effective. Absolutely. And so, you know, I don't know if I mentioned, but I'm also a residency mentor. Um, so I have a resident that I mentor formally in a program. The program is the Institute for Athlete Regeneration. So they offer residency training and fellowship training. So I'm a residency mentor. And that's exactly what these programs are designed to do. These programs are designed to increase your clinical, clinical efficacy, diagnostic, and intervention, right? So you know what's going on, at least as best you can, uh, and how you're going to uh, intervene and develop a plan of care. So yeah, so you're not kind of just like fiddling around and, and, and you know, shooting dice and hoping it sticks. You know what I mean? So that's exactly what these programs are designed to do. Um, and especially coming out as a new grad, man, I mean, I felt like I grew so much in my first year of post-professional training. And I attribute that largely to the study material, but mostly because of my mentoring, right? So I had exceptional mentors during my post-professional training. And anytime I had a question, Anytime I was lost, I always had somebody to go to, to help me start reasoning through what's going on. And so you can essentially say that I've had my hand held the moment I graduated and stepped into a professional setting. Um, and so, yeah, I always had somebody to go to. I developed a great network of PTs that I could draw on for questions. Uh, and then, you know, I, I ensured that my patients were getting great care. And then with my training, ensured that I was being the best clinician as possible and that I was able to recognize what was going on a lot quicker and intervene a lot more uh, specifically. Okay. Um, you talked a little bit about your uh, current job and how 
the uh, residency and fellowship has helped with that. Can you talk a little bit about what you're doing right now? Um, just in general, what the job market looks like with COVID going on, um, and how that's affected work and also you know, your current job. Man, so I am a, uh, right now I'm a clinic lead at uh, Texas Orthopedics and also serve as a residency mentor. Um, so I've got a solid team. Uh, we got three PTs um, and then me, so four PTs total. Uh, now I work at Texas Orthopedics, which is physician-owned, but hold on. I work for a company, I work for a company called, called Innovative Therapy Concepts. So Texas Orthopedics handed over its rehab services and partnered was a, with a physical therapy owned operations company that essentially flips clinics. You know, you got people that flip houses that aren't doing so hot, don't look so good. Well, you have companies like ITC, which flip rehab clinics that are losing money and not getting positive patient outcomes. So they look at metrics like, are your patients adhering to their plans of care? You know, what does billing look like? And, and what does treatment look like? And so TXO wasn't doing so great. And so a physical therapy owned operations company hired me and, and the staff that I work with to elevate that patient experience. So right now for me, I'm, I'm good, right? We work alongside and with, not for physicians. So we have a very steady flow of patients. The volume is there. We're not worried about anything. Now, if you're not working with physicians and you don't have that type of relationship, right now with COVID, the job market is tough. I, I can't speak anywhere else. I can only speak to Austin. And I know it's hard. And I know that a lot of PTs took a, a serious pay cut. I know that a lot of PTs were laid off. I mean, dude, I, I was in the middle of transition between my last job and this job. And, I, and then uh, my new job shut down, right? TXO shut down for six weeks. I got let go a little early from my last job because COVID hit. So I was unemployed for six weeks, but I had technically put my two weeks notice in. So I didn't qualify for state unemployment benefits. Then I try to collect federal pandemic benefits. Haven't touched it. Haven't smelled it. Don't even know what's happening. I applied. I can't get through to anybody. So I am going to do my best to collect the money. But right now it's looking like I essentially have six weeks that I didn't get paid. Um, but I found myself in a good position. Our clinic is very busy. But again, we work alongside physicians. And so that volume is there. But it's tough, man. It's tough out there for a lot of cash-based clinics. It's tough out there for a lot of privately owned clinics. And it's tough out there for clinics like Results, Physio, who's large, ATI. You know, I mean, it, it's tough, man. So, you know, the job market, it's a struggle. It's just a tough time for the world. And so, you know, um, I'm just thankful that I have a, a I have a good, a good job. I'm thankful that volume isn't a problem. And I'm thankful for the company Innovative Therapy Concepts as well, man, because they're, they're taking care of us. Um, you know, there was, there was a shutdown that they weren't on board with. They didn't want to do it, but it wasn't their decision. Um, but when we came back, you know, everybody was getting paid in full. So, you know, I'm just thankful for where I'm at right now. And 
I know that it's hard out there for a lot of people, but, you know, hopefully we can kind of bounce back from this. For sure. Um, yeah. So, uh, I love that you're telling, telling people about the, you know, the, the job market and everything out there. And it's, it's kind of a struggle right now. And, uh, personally, I'm a, I'm a big bias, um, uh, for physical therapists and, uh, and I believe that we are very underpaid. So, um, um, that, that might be my personal bias, you know, that might just be me, but, um, do you, uh, do you like, while you were in school, did you ever have any kind of side hustle? I feel like side hustles right now are uh, kind of blown up. And um, I feel like a lot of people that are joining, um, you know, the PT programs are like looking other ways to, uh, to start a side hustle to help pay for school. Um, and then eventually move to like a cash based um, kind of uh, clinic or whatever. Do you um, have any like experience with side hustles? Or do you have anything like recommend for uh, students that can um, kind of get that ball rolling, get some money coming in or anything like that? Yeah, man, no, that's, you're right. I mean, the side hustle is a real thing. We are extremely undervalued as a whole when it comes to our profession. Um, I, I, I luckily work for a company that values me and what I do. And, uh, you know, I'm just grateful for that. Um, but yeah, you know, I did, I did have a side hustle. I still have a side hustle. I'm, I'm adjunct faculty at a university for the flex DPT program. So I am getting paid. You might hear my daughter squealing around in the background. So uh, she just walked in. I'm in the nursery. We're getting our new house set up. So I'm kind of struggling to find space here. Um, so yeah, I do have a side hustle. I'm adjunct faculty. I did have a side hustle. So I recreationally train uh, Muay Thai and Brazilian Jiu Jitsu. Um, I started that when I was 23. I started Muay Thai when I was 23. I started Jiu Jitsu when I was 27. Um, so that is what I like to do to stay in shape. It also bangs me up quite a bit. So, um, you know, it isn't easy on the body. Uh, but, um, but I had, I had developed relationships with uh, the jujitsu community. And so for a little while there, I was doing a cash-based hustle, um, out of the jujitsu gym that I trained in. Uh, and so that has kind of fallen on the back burner COVID. Um, I've got, I got a new job where I'm not struggling as much to make ends meet. I've got my adjunct faculty position, and then now I'm really shifting my focus into this nonprofit. So what I would recommend for anybody that's trying to start a side hustle is one, be specific, you know, find, find a niche, right? So for me, it was the MMA community, Muay Thai and Jiu Jitsu. I knew the people I had, I was established in that community in Austin for the last five, six years. Um, so it worked for me and I could speak their language. I knew the demands of the sport, right? I knew, you know, what they needed to be resilient to. Um, so I would say find a niche, be specific, get involved with that community, become known, make yourself a celebrity, right? Be the guy or be the girl, you know, yeah. you know be the person, be the expert. So get involved in the community, establish yourself as somebody who is reliable and that people can go to. Uh, and then I would find a way to just be specific about it, right? That just kind of makes it easier. You can talk to that demographic. And if it's, if it's a side hustle, you don't need to be trying to appeal to a mass population. You know what I mean? Sure. For sure. Cool. Um, so you did talk a little bit about um, the nonprofit you started. 
Um, so I've known you for a little while and that's something that's new to me. So it sounds like it's a little bit more of a recent development. Can you talk a little bit about that format for us? Yeah, so um, my nonprofit, you know, I felt compelled to start, um, you know, a lot of crazy things going on in the nation, right? Uh, and as a Mexican-American, you know, uh, I see some of these communities uh, that are low income, that are broken, right? And I, I believe that as someone who is who's a little bit more blessed uh, and has had more opportunity, um, that I need to give back and that I need to find a way to facilitate solutions for these broken communities. Uh, and, and it's my personal belief that health and education um, are catalysts for uh, affluency and wealth. And so that's one thing that you don't see or one thing you don't see in educated affluent communities is high crime rates, right? And these high crime rates plague these communities in a variety of ways, right? Uh, uh, they, they drive issues uh, from so many different facets. And so this entire organization is meant, you know, not just to, you know, uh, 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 appease or, or, or to help the Latino community. It's to help all communities, all communities that are underserved, all communities that are underinsured. I mean, physical therapy is extremely expensive. And what we do does take some time. And, and these people need resources. And so my goal is to get into the community provide physical therapy services pro bono to these underserved, underinsured communities to keep them healthy, you know, because they have issues too and they need to stay in the workforce. And it's very important that they show up to work every day because they're not bringing home much money. Now, there's also the educational component of the organization that I really want to develop over the years. And that is providing educational opportunities for the underserved youth. So I plan to develop relationships with physical therapy clinics across Austin and set up volunteer opportunities for the underserved youth. So to expose them to our profession, because, you know, you don't know what you don't know. So if your dad is a laborer or, you know, your mom and dad work in a warehouse or your mom is working at a grocery store or washing dishes or not employed, right? What does that youth see? How can that youth aspire and dream if they don't even know how to dream? So the goal is to expose them to a, profession, a profession and hopefully spark interest. So they're saying, oh man, this is what PT does? Man, this looks like a strength and conditioning uh, 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 session, but I'm actually helping people get out of pain. And I got a clinical doctorate? Man, this is awesome. Maybe I wanna do this. So the goal is to inspire the youth to achieve more and to keep these underserved communities moving. I mean, that sounds amazing. Um, one thing that I'll talk about personally is I'm African-American. I only met two black PTs before I got into PT school. Um, and I've only met a couple more since then. So having that exposure and having people who look like you or have come from backgrounds that you've come from you know, succeed and see them with a doctorate level education doing physical therapy can actually tell you, be like, okay, yeah, maybe I can be that person in a couple of years, you know? Absolutely, man. And so that's a big thing that I think if you're able to do that, it's going to help out a lot of people. Um, 
absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, before I got into school, I didn't know any Latino physical therapist. And I was the only Latino male in my cohort of like 70 students. Mm. Now I looked at, I haven't looked at it recently. This was like a couple of years ago, but the University of St. Augustine's Latino male population across all of their campuses is just 1%. I again, I haven't looked at that in a couple of years, but I looked at that a couple of, uh, you know, a while back and I was like, oh, that makes sense. Cause I'm the only Latino male in this cohort. So, you know, th th there's those racial disparities, right? Which, you know, a racial disparity doesn't mean racism. It just means that there's a lack of equity between the races and we need to figure out why that is, right? And, and facilitate solutions. And so I believe that one of those solutions is reaching out to the youth and, and, and trying to inspire. And so, you know, that's definitely something that I want to do. And, and, you know, I feel you. And these are just some wild times, man. And, and you know, yeah. instead of being destructive, let's be constructive and, and let's try to facilitate solutions and take action, right? Because words are words and action is action. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, no, I hear you. Um, definitely one thing, especially with, you know, COVID and everything going on and the link between, you know, obesity and, you know, comorbidities and everything and how much more susceptible that, that makes you to not just COVID, but pretty much everything, you know, physical therapy and, you know, staying in shape could be a really key part of keeping people healthy and keeping them alive. Um, speaking of kind of, you talked about kind of like, just like the martial arts a little bit, but what are the things you kind of do in your personal life to kind of stay in shape um, around? Bam. Yeah, no. Um, so it's a little trickier now being a dad. Uh, I'm 32 now. So, you know, I, I, I don't move like I did when I was 22. But, you know, <laughs> I lift weights. I like to jog. You know, I keep it. Man, I'm not gonna lie. I keep a pretty solid jogger, uh, 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 stroller jogger pace. You know, I'm out there hitting the trails, town lake, you know, got the bob, got my daughter in there hitting some three miles on it. Um, but I like to mix it up, right? I like to train. I like to train martial arts, Muay Thai and Jiu Jitsu. I definitely lift weights. I like to hit the endurance component. Um, I've started a sprint template. It's going awfully. Um, I feel like I'm going to tear my hamstrings at any moment in time. Uh, but I try to mix it up, man. I try to stay healthy. I try to experience the things that I give to my patients uh, and, you know, practice what I preach. You know, can't tell somebody, hey, you need to get stronger. You need to be consistent with your exercises. That's what's going to help you get out of pain. Whenever, you know, I come home and, and crack open a beer, eat some potato <laughs> chips, and, and never exercise. So I do believe that there is a degree of practicing what, what you preach, especially when we're trying to tell our patients that exercise is going to get them out of pain and keep them out of pain. I love yeah, that. I mean, we're... We're preaching health. We're preaching, you know, staying in shape. And if we're not healthy or in shape, at least we don't look that way. Patients aren't going to really, you know, believe us, right? They're not going to um, believe us when we tell them, like, hey, do this exercise. It's going to make you better. If we're, you know, just, you know, a couple of 20 pounds overweight or something like crazy like that. You know? Right. Right, man. And, and, you know, like staying healthy is key. It's what we preach. And, and you know what, dude? I think at the end of the day, it just boils down to the fact that we know better, right? As physical therapists, we know better, right? So if we're not doing some of these things that we know we need to be doing, you know, that's just, uh, it's a little contradictory into what we're trying to tell our patients to do, right? Absolutely. 100%. Oh, yeah. 
Um, yeah, man, I loved everything you talked about. I really, uh, I want to talk to you some more, um, later on about the pro bono thing. Cause, uh, I definitely got a passion project of my own that, um, is similar to that. So we should definitely chop it up later. Um, but if you're comfortable with it, I'd love to, um, let our listeners know how they can get in touch with you. If you're comfortable with sharing like your Instagram or, uh, your social media or your email or whatever, if they have any questions, um, that would be cool. Yeah, man, absolutely. So uh, you can email me at j.longoria, dpt at gmail.com. I've got a kind of professional Instagram account, Stimulus Athlete Solutions. That was the name of my side hustle. It's currently on pause. I try to update it as I can. But through that Stimulus Athlete Solutions Instagram, I'm going to start really marketing um, the new nonprofit. And so, you know, a lot of what I like to post is just, you know, some clinical opinion uh, and then research, you know, what the evidence is showing us um, and what's the clinical application. And so I think that's important too. So, you know, uh, Stimulus Athlete Solutions on Instagram, dpt at gmail.com. Uh, you can email me there. So if you want to get in touch with me for anything, any reason, uh, please feel free to reach out. Awesome. Thanks, John. Appreciate you hopping on. Thank you, John. All right, guys. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me.